Well, I just want to take a moment and say how much I enjoyed our revival for the day last week. Um, probably had you on the edge of your seat a time or two. I told, I was talking to my wife this week, talked to a couple other folks, and, and I made the statement, I don't know that I've ever heard a minister of the gospel so hilarious and yet so deep. And if you missed last Sunday night, you missed a move of God, a tremendous move of God. So thank the Lord for, for how, he, how He blessed and touched us. If you uh, just say this before we go to the Scripture, you can be turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 7. But let me, just, let me just say this to you, because I know that you traveled different places. There's some beachgoers here. You know, when you live in the mountains, you go to the beach. I guess that's your vacation destination. Uh, this old city boy that come from the other side of the state wonders why you would ever leave the mountains to go anywhere, because it's all the beauty's here. You're blessed. We're blessed last four years of my life I have been here. October 1st, we start our fifth year, and so we're uh, the last four years have been wonderful. I love living. I have become a converted Southwest Virginia boy. And I love every minute of it. I absolutely do. But if you have never been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to Amish country, specifically to Sight and Sound Theater, you should make sure to do that. And I know several of you have been. But if you're, if you're young parents here and you're listening to me, whether you have small children, elementary age, teenagers, you need to put Sight and Sound Theater on your bucket list. I've seen some life-changing productions from the Bible there. Several times my wife and I have been there. But none to date, to this moment, has affected me like the very first one I saw 20 years ago, which was called Noah. A tremendous story, tremendous as it came to life. And now it's my understanding that uh, Creation Museum in Kentucky, some of you have probably been there. It's a great place to visit, been to Creation Museum, but now they have opened a two-scale construction of Noah's Ark, built to biblical specifications, and I can tell you, although I haven't been there yet, it's on my bucket list. I look forward to going and seeing that. So I'm going to read several verses from Genesis chapter 7, and I'm going to ask you if you would to stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to start at verse 6. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, 
the male and the female as God had commanded Noah. It came to pass after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. They that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Stretch your hand this direction. Let's pray God's blessing and anointing over his word and over his servant today. Father, we come before you thanking you for the word of God and for every word that is in the sacred scripture. Lord, today as we come to this time in the service, we proclaim your divine favor, your great anointing to be upon the servant of God, the word of God, upon every ear to hear what it is that the Spirit wants to say to each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that your, your Spirit would rule and reign in this house. We give all glory and honor to you for these blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Tony. The door to the ark. I realize this is an Old Testament story, one that many of us are familiar with, but the message of salvation, the message of eternal life is for sure to be found in the pages of Noah and the ark that he was commanded to build. Doing some research, I was intrigued when I discovered exactly the size of this ark. Literally, the length of it was 450 feet in our measurements, 75 feet wide. It was 45 feet high, equivalent to one and a half times a football field in its length. The Scripture says it was covered in pitch. P-I-T-C-H. The Hebrew word for pitch, get this, is the word atonement. Atonement, church, means a covering of righteousness. And we know the, the pitch, the atonement, the covering for us comes through the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In our time and day, we're, we're seeing that terror-filled events are at an all-time high, and racism is rearing its ugly head in many places in many ways. We find that in the last days, it was prophesied that there would be division in family and division among friends. 
And there is always a need to be reminded that Christ is the atonement for this sin-filled world. No matter who you are or where you find yourself today or the condition that you find yourself in, if you will look to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He will be the atonement and the covering and the cleansing for your sin-filled life. The ark's door in Genesis is much like Christ the door. It was a door specifically constructed in the ark for everyone to enter that received the invitation and the compulsion to come in before the flood came. The door remained open while the ark was being constructed, and it was accessible for all who were involved. The ark, according to what I read, only had one door. The ark, according to what I read, only had one window. You could not scale the height of the ark and hope to climb in through the window. The door was the only entrance for all of the animals. The door was the only entrance for all of the human beings. There wasn't a special door for humans, and there wasn't a special door for the animals. The same door was for everyone to enter into safety. The obvious question came to me with such a mammoth undertaking as Noah had is that why was there only one door? And what spiritual message applies to this one door to the ark? And then I remembered what John chapter 10 and verse 9, the words of Jesus himself. And he said these words, I am the door. By, any, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I saw a church sign this past week uh, in front of, uh, of one of our sister churches, and this is what it said. It said, Jesus is the door and faith is the key. And I want to tell you this morning, again, you've heard it hundreds of times maybe before, but Jesus Christ is the door of access to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 tells us that through Jesus we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Jesus himself, his own words, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. It doesn't matter what any of, of the liberals say. It doesn't matter what anybody says in the social uh, community in the world. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. There is still only one way to God, and it's through the door whose name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the door to heaven itself. Jesus is the door that is ever open for you and I. In fact, if the door is ever closed, it is closed by us. And even when the door is closed, Jesus stands on the other side and he knocks and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him or eat with him and he with me. All are welcome into Christ the door. All are welcome to enter the door 
door to the ark of safety. All are welcome to walk through the door to eternal life. If you're here today and you're unsure, I'm telling you, the door is wide open for you. All you have to do is have faith in the Son of God and you can leave here today with eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I wish somebody would give the Lord some praise. I want to break it down further this morning because I've always been intrigued by this, this narrative of Noah and the ark, even to the point in my simplistic mind that I pondered on the animal kingdom and I realized by the invitation and the compulsion of the Spirit that specific classifications are laid out for us as to who was welcome to come into the ark. So you indulge me for a few moments. The first thing I want to tell you is that the, the clean and the unclean were welcome into the ark. You read that with your own eyes in the verses of Scripture that I read to you this morning. What does that mean when it says the clean and the unclean? Well, that means the door was open to the swine as well as to the sheep. And the door was open to the snake as well as it was to the dove. And the door was open to the black ravens as it was to the turtles. It was open to the clean. Maybe you're here this morning and you consider yourself to be clean. You are good, moral people. Maybe you're listening to me online and, and every way that you operate is respectable. You are considered the neighbor's best neighbor. You're very well-mannered and always polite. You voted every election and you conduct yourself in society beyond reproach. You never erase a figure from the account books. And if your mother could give us a testimonial, she might regard you from childhood to date as almost without a fault. There is no hideous taint of immorality found inside of you. You are considered a model citizen. But I want to say to clean folks this morning, the desolations of the flood are universal. There is not an escape except through the door of the ark. And may I also say that the desolations are sin, are eternal. The scripture says clean-minded folks need to hear this. There is none righteous, no, not one. And the, but Jesus himself said as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. You may be here today and you compare yourself to the innocent white dove. You may say, I'm white. I'm without need for cleansing. But the truth is, inside you are blackened with sin and a need for salvation from your sins. And the admonishment from the Holy Spirit and from the Word and from this preacher this morning is to get through the door of the ark as quickly as you can turn to Jesus Christ now as quickly as you can because you may be white on the outside but you are blackened with sin on the inside and as the door to the ark was a salvation for the white dove so the cross of Jesus Christ is the door of salvation for anyone in this room you see that as it was in the days of Noah so it is in the days of the coming of the son of man that not only means that evil will abound, but I believe it also means that men and women and young people 
will be deceived into believing that because they are morally correct, that they are spiritually right. But I want to drive home the point. Morally correct does not make you spiritually right with God. There's only one way to be spiritually right with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Spiritually right with God is that you're clean through the rich, red, shed blood of the Lord. The door was also open to the unclean. And let me say, there's no doubt I'm looking at people. There are people watching online. And you have been vicious from childhood. Paths of profanity. You have traveled maybe even to this moment. There's no doubt that on a week-in and week-out basis, I may confront drunkards and swearers and adulterers and drug addicts and abusers and, and gamblers. And you're constantly injuring others with your consistent actions of uncleanness. All kinds of iniquities exist in your life. Seems like every time you turn around, you're yielding to another temptation. But I want to tell you, the ark was built for you. Hallelujah. Especially for you. I'm glad to report that the Spirit of God drew the clean animals and it also drew the unclean animals. And let me tell you something, in the end, the most moral man will stand no better when he comes before God than you will. It's still one ark for the clean and the unclean animals. It's still one salvation for the filthy and one salvation for the morally correct. It's still one door to walk through if you want to have eternal life. I'm telling you, I'm convinced that there may be people that are sitting here today by the Spirit of God, and you have laughed at your mother's tears, and you have sneered at your father's counsels, and you brag, you may even brag of sowing your wild oats, and you may boast of all your wild riots. Maybe you have rejoiced in your iniquity, but this moment you sit in the house of God, and you're feeling unclean, and you deplore your uncleanness. I've come by with good news. There's still mercy for you. This pastor's come by the house of God because he wants to bring you into the ark of salvation. And I'm telling you, the Lord will not reject you no matter what you've done. If you come with a repentant and believing and humble heart, he wants the unclean in the ark. He wants the unclean in the family of God. I'm telling you, he loves you just as you are. And he also loves you not to leave you the way that you are. You can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. All somebody give him praise. He'll take you just like you are. Unclean soul. That's how much he loves you. But he also loves you so much that he won't leave you unclean. Hallelujah. So that day, 
the clean and the unclean. We're welcomed. We're compelled into the ark. Let me just stay there for a few more moments. Because I cannot stand flies and wasp and mosquitoes. Flies never bit until I came to Southwest Virginia. I'm sitting on the porch, which I love to do. It's a summertime evening. I've got a cut-off shirt. I'm sitting in my shorts, and a fly bites me. And I went, ouch. And my wife, there's no sympathy there. She looks at me. She just says, well, go put some clothes on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel like I have done the earth a favor when I take them out. I mean, why didn't, why didn't Noah swap those mosquitoes? I mean, it's a highlight. I, I, I actually revel in the challenge. Now, some challenges are bigger than others, and we had, a, we had a big hornet's nest. Was it a hornet's nest that was right outside of one of our entrances? Tony says, I'm going to take it out. I said, you go for it, brother. You should have seen me. I was peering through the sidelight of the door. But I tell you what, you give me one wasp or two wasps in a contained area and they're cutting in on my time, and you give me that 22-foot wasp spray, I feel like a champion. Noah had to think. These flies and wasps and mice are too vile. They're too worthless to preserve. But his orders were to bring them in. I mean, honestly, some animal... You ever just kind of wonder if, if, if our father was, was chuckling when he created some of these animals? Some, some creation, animal creations, they, they, I stand in awe of them. Others leave me scratching my head. I see absolutely no benefit from a nasty skunk. No benefit. Again, I come rolling up into southwest Virginia, and it seems like there's a given time of the year. When you live in Richmond, I don't know if the smog kills them or what. But you come down here and you find out, and I'm like, I asked someone one day, I said, why is it that there's often during the winter time, it seems, this smell of skunks? And they're like, well, that's their mating season. I, I see no benefit from skunks. None at all. I let my dog out at night. If I smell a whiff of skunk in the air, somebody was sharing with me not too long ago how their dog got tangled up with a skunk. I don't want my dog to experience that. 
No benefit. But you know, it hit me that over my Christian walk, I've been guilty of labeling some sinners of being too unclean to be saved. But Jesus says it's not for me to pick who and who cannot be saved. He just calls me to bring the unclean to him through the door of salvation. Because Christ came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. So the clean and the unclean came through the door of the ark. But then it hit me. Another classification of animals came in, and that was the, the high and the low. The high and the low. Picture a bright, sunshiny morning. A pair of eagles or a pair of sparrows or a pair of vultures, a pair of hummingbirds. Picture that. On the earth, a pair of snails, a pair of snakes, a pair of worms. You see, there are those who, who fly high in knowledge and others that hardly have the education to even read their Bible. Never mind all of that. The eagles had to swoop low to come in through the door. The worm had, had to come up to the door. That eagle's full of himself as he sails through the sky or perches himself on a branch. But he still must swoop down to the doorway to be able to enter the ark of safety. How many people do you know that pride self-reliance and independence has kept them from humbling themselves to come through Jesus, the door of salvation. There's some folks, they got an eagle mindset. They need as much salvation from themselves as they do from their sins. But God still loves them. He still wants to deliver them. Maybe they're wealthy. Maybe they're charismatic. Maybe they're highly influential and people swoon at the words that they say. And so they, they don't think they need a Savior. Maybe that describes someone here. I'm telling you, eagle friend, you need to fly low. But then how about that worm? You know that in the book of Job and in the book of Psalms, Two different places the scripture says, I am a worm and no man. There was such a loathing of oneself. Can, can I just tell you today that I deal, when I when I do pastoral counseling church, I, I, I deal more with low self-esteem and low self-worth than I do arrogant and pride-filled. People are so beat up by others, 
They're so beat up by life. They're so beat up by their circumstances. And they come in and they feel like they're at rope's end. You'd be surprised at how many people in the body of Christ, not in the world, but in the body of Christ, or come to church or occasionally attend that contemplate suicide because they feel like they have no worth to give. I'm sure the prodigal felt that way. Oh, he started out as an eagle. He thought he was all that, got all of his inheritance, and he wasted it on riotous living. But how quickly he went from having the mindset of an eagle to that of a worm when he ended up in the pigsty and all of his quality of life is gone. But thanks be unto God, the Scripture says he came to himself he came to himself. He said, you know what? I may not be able to be a son, but at least there'll be servants. Surely the father will take me back as a servant. And he returned to the loving arms of his father. May I say to someone this morning, my worm-thinking friend, no matter how low you are, Jesus is there for you to give you peace and to restore your confidence in him and in yourself. You can't restore confidence in yourself by yourself. But boy, you can become confident in who you are in Christ. And you know what? Once you go through the door of salvation, once you go through the door of the ark, once you ask Jesus to come in, he makes you worthy. He makes you worthy. He says, I declare you justified. I declare you worthy. There was a time years ago that I used to say, Lord, I'm so unworthy of your love. But then somebody stopped me one day and gave me a word that I needed to hear. And this is the word they gave to me. The truth is, I'm undeserving. No one here is deserving of his goodness and grace. But let me also tell you, the day I accepted Jesus into my heart, it was no longer about me. It was about Jesus living through me and therefore I am now worthy to be called a child of God. So the clean and the unclean and the high and the low. And then there's one more group that hit me. And that's the the go and the slow. The go and the slow. Here comes a pair of rabbits and gazelles and cheetahs bounding into the ark, moving much faster than the rest of the animals. And then there's the turtle, slowly pacing along. The last one in. Let me show you a picture here. That's me. Now, let me tell you the story. I've always had a soft spot for turtles. I will stop traffic, as you can see, to help a turtle. That turtle was obnoxious. I normally grab a turtle around by their shell, and I thought I could do the same thing with this big fella until I realized how long his neck was. And he reached around and tried to snap me. I'm thinking, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you from committing suicide by automobile. So then I had to revert. For all you Coke lovers, the only thing I could find was a Pepsi bottle. But then I had to revert to a Pepsi bottle. 
to help him get across the road. Always had a soft spot for turtles. And I don't know, maybe it's because I was ingrained with the story of the tortoise and the hare. But you know, I've, I'm going to meddle here a little bit. But I've seen some people that blow in, blow up, and blow out. They got a lot of rabbit about them. On the other hand, I've seen some turtles that I begged and pleaded with God, loved them, tried to minister to them, beat my head against the wall, almost wanted to beat the devil out of them because they just wouldn't budge. But then one day... The Spirit of God got a hold of them. It may have taken a few weeks. It may have taken a few years. It may have taken decades. But one day, the Spirit of God got a hold of them, and they came through the door of the ark. And one day, they came through the door whose name is Jesus Christ. And once they got in, there was no turning around. They were in lock, stock, and barrel. They were sold out with everything that was within them. Let me just say something here to some moms and dads. Don't you stop praying. And don't you stop believing. Your son and daughter may in their sin smell like a skunk. That unsaved husband may behave like a donkey. And they may be debauched in their lifestyle. But the truth of the matter is, by faith, they are just a turtle. And one day they're going to arrive at the door of salvation. They're going to arrive at the door of the ark. And they're going to find their peace with God. Take it, believe it, and claim it. It took Noah years to build the ark. And you know, Tony, the thought hit me this week. As many years as it took Noah to build the ark, it probably took the snail that long to get there. You ever thought about that? You ever seen a snail? I think it takes them a day to move an inch. So I, I believe just about the time Noah started, when he said, God, I'll do it, I believe the Spirit started moving upon a pair of snails to start moving toward the place where the ark was built. You say, Pastor, now I'm going to mess some of you up because some of you got an idea about this story that is inaccurate. You say, didn't Noah go out and get those animals? Absolutely not. Not according to the Bible. Genesis 6 and 20 says, Two of every sort shall come unto you. <laughs> That's awesome. And so we shout it till the day we die. That the same spirit that drew the eagles and the snails is still working. To draw your lost family. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. The same spirit that drew the eagles, drew the cheetahs, drew the gazelles is still drawing those snails. Still drawing those turtles. They don't see it. God's opening doors and closing doors. He's putting people in their path. He's removing people from their paths. 
He's still working. So don't you get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're in person, maybe you're online. Today can be the day of your redemption. Would you, would you enter the door to the ark? Would you enter eternal life through Jesus, the door of your salvation? No one looking around. You say, preacher. I'm the unclean or I'm the clean. I think I'm morally good, but now you've shown me through the scripture that I'm still a sinner. Oh, I've done some terrible things. I'm terribly unclean, but today you've told me <laughs> that Jesus said he'll still take me, that he'll still love me, that he'll still wash me, make me whole. Maybe you're that soul that is independent, self-reliant, fly high like that eagle does. You don't need anybody. But today you hear that you need Jesus if you're going to heaven. Maybe you're that worm. You're so low and so self-despising. And you wonder how he could love a person like you. You feel so unworthy. Friend, he loves you with an everlasting love. And with cords of love, he draws you this morning. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message. You're like the gazelles and you want to get in as quickly as you can. Maybe you've heard it hundreds of times, but today it resonates in your spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Preacher, I need to enter the door, Jesus Christ, into eternal life. I need to come to him today. Would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down? Anyone? Anyone? This altar is open to you, friend. Lord, would you draw them by your Spirit yet once again to a place of confession and repentance where they say, Lord, I can't carry this load of sin anymore. I'm laying it down and I'm taking Jesus into my heart and I'm going to find my peace with him. This altar is open to you. Every Christian in the room should have received communion when you came in. Get it in your hands. I want you to do this with me today. 
Now, I'm convinced if you're a believer that this is going to resonate. Now, don't, don't open it up yet. Just get it in your hands. Because I, I, I want to ask you for a reference point. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to before you got saved. Before you got saved. Take a trip down memory lane right now. You're going to fall into one or more of these categories. And I want you to come specifically at each invitation as as the Lord compels you, because we're going to take communion around the altar, but I I don't want you to come until, until I describe you before you knew Jesus. Let me start by asking, were you the were you the clean and the moral? Or were you the unclean and the filthy? But you found Jesus. I want you to come to this altar and stand. Come on, right now. Come on, right now. You thought you were clean, but you realized you weren't clean until you met the Lord. You knew how unclean and dirty you were, but then you met Jesus, and he cleaned you up. I want you to bring your communion. I want you to come stand around this altar. Maybe you're here this morning and you were the, you were the high and the mighty and you were independent and self-reliant. Or maybe you were the, the low and the unworthy and the self-loathing. But you found Jesus. I want you to get up and come to this altar with your communion and stand. Sweet Lord, maybe you were the one who heard and accepted the gospel message the first time, or maybe you were the one that played games for years. Finally, after many rejections, you said yes to Jesus. I want you to join this group at the altar. Come and stand. Every believer in this room is in one of those three invitations. Every single believer. If you were honest with where you were before Jesus, you would know I'm telling the truth. Come on. Come on. This is a sacred time. A very, very sacred time. For the formerly clean and unclean, for the formerly high and low, for the formerly go and the the slows. This is a sacred time. I want to read some scripture to you. It says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So I want you to do this. Before we take communion now, this is important. A lot of churches don't do this, and this concerns me, but I want you to take a moment, and I want you to search your heart before your Lord. Make sure all is good between you and your Savior right now, all over this house. Come on, take the moment. Father, we come before you today. 
Lord, I repent of my words, my deeds, my thoughts, my attitude. Lord, I come before you with any sin or idols in my heart, any selfish motives, any unforgiveness, any stinginess, selfishness in my giving. I come to you, Lord, if I have treated my spouse wrong. There's much I take inventory today for. I'm a Christian, but I'm not perfect. But your work on the cross of redemption was for me, and I don't want to dishonor it. I want my soul to be right. I want my soul to be right vertically. I want my soul to be right horizontally. I want my heart to be right with God, and I want my heart to be right with man. I don't want to take communion unworthily today, Lord. So forgive me. Come on, just say it to him. Forgive me. Create in me a clean heart. Thank you, Jesus. It's a sacred time. It's a sacred time. If you open the top layer, you'll be able to get the bread out. If you've never taken communion with these before. Let's all do this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. You may now partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. You may now partake of the cup which represents the shed blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would lift their hands and worship him. You were the high, you were the low. You were the go, you were the slow. You were the clean, you were the unclean. But today, you were in sin. But today, you are a child of God. Come on, lift him up all over this house. God, would you just let healing flow right now? There may be someone standing here and their bodies are afflicted. Their emotions are distraught. They need healing. There's a relationship that's severed. They need to see it restored. God, would you touch right now even as we gather around this altar? Come on. Thank you, Redeemer, right now. You know who you were before you came to Christ. Thank you, Redeemer, right now. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify you, Jesus. You and you alone are worthy of our worship. Oh, blessing and honor and glory and power 
unto him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. <laughs> Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for setting me free. I'm not clean in my own opinion. I'm clean because of the blood of Jesus that has made me whole. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you today. I bless you today. The cross, Thank you, at Jesus. the cross, where I first saw the light, the burdens of my heart rolled away. Yes. It, it was there by faith I, I received my sight. 